Hello, you're listening to KPMG's Delivering Digital podcast, a podcast for CIOs and technology leaders who are facing the unique challenges of delivering digital transformation in a large organization. We focus on your issues, giving you practical, independent advice. I am Colm O'Neill, and today I am joined by Mary Mamo from KPMG in Australia. And we're going to be talking about digital transformation in large energy companies, specifically AGL Energy. AGL Energy is Australia's largest energy generation and energy services provider, who Forbes magazine recently described as a pioneer in digital transformation. Mari, you're very welcome to the podcast. And I thought we might start with you and your very interesting career moving from industry to advisory. Fantastic. Look, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, look, it was an interesting transition. I'd been in corporate Australia for about 25 years and had worked across a number of different sectors, uh, most recently in power and utilities. And I had a a deep fascination of driving complex enterprise transformation. I think because I'd worked across the value chain in my career, I'd led the product, marketing, sales, digital, data and analytics, and it really gave me that appreciation of actually until you get all of the respective parts of the organisation humming together, you're always going to leave value on the table and never quite reach the customer's expectations. So I enjoyed doing strategy and customer work, and so it was quite natural for me to, I guess, work in an organisation that was constantly thinking about complex and strategic customer and digital problems, and hence also being a client of KPMG's for so many years, it was a, a natural place for me to to come and work. So you didn't just come from industry to advisory, you actually moved across from one side of the fence to the other in a, in a client. Absolutely. So I had worked alongside KPMG uh, at AGL. I'd brought um, KPMG in to support me at the time when I was working at AGL on a large scale customer and digital transformation. But then also before that, when I worked at uh, Coles Financial Services, Coles is a FMCG uh, retailer here in Australia, and they also have a large financial services arm. I was working with the leadership team to build a digital bank from scratch, and I was working with KPMG there. So two examples of being the client with KPMG and really just fell in love with the way that KPMG worked uh, and, and had lots of great relationships. So here I am. Here you are. And, and, and actually, um, for our listeners in Ireland, they may not be familiar with AGL. So could you maybe just give us a little bit of background on them as an organisation? Sure. Well, AGL is, uh, is the, has been the largest of the, the three tier one integrated or gen tailors, as we call them over here, and has a very, very large footprint, both on the operations infrastructure side, as well as the, the retail and customer market side. It's an interesting market here in Victoria and indeed across Australia, very highly competitive in the retail market, very high churn, probably one of the highest churn in the world. Customers um, are challenged around the trust of retail energy providers. So it's a very interesting marketplace and, and really right with opportunities to drive greater customer satisfaction. And I think shifting from that asset-led mindset to the customer-led mindset, I think that's what a lot of the retailers are, are working on various stages of their transformation working towards is how do they really drive that customer centricity on the retail part of the business. Which is a big challenge for organisations like that because they will have grown up as being predominantly engineering organisations serving a subscriber base. So to transform themselves then to being customer focused and customer centric organisations is actually quite a big challenge. 
It is incredibly hard. And I think particularly for organisations that have a wonderful legacy and, and history, they've worked in a certain way. They're very used to working and operating and organising and making decisions in a certain way. So shifting to behave in a way that digital native organisations have always behaved is incredibly difficult, both respecting the legacy and the understanding of the past, but thinking about how we challenge that status quo and operate very differently. I think we use the term customer centricity very easily. It's actually very hard to do. And we're seeing the same transition in other, in other sectors as well, certainly water and, and government and even consumer organisations. So to, to, get us, to get us started, Mary, I have a, have a quote for you. And it says, one common mistake is that organizations seek to implement new technologies without first identifying the problem they are trying to solve. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because you said it. So you might just talk to me about getting a digital transformation off the ground, getting it started, so to speak. Sure, happy to. I think, um, I guess the reason I said that is because we, we do see a, a lot of clients I think naturally, and I think it's it's a, it's a natural inclination to want to solve a large and complex problem with a piece of technology and, and feel comfort in knowing that that technology is going to solve our problems. But rarely is technology is the first point, the answer to any problem we need to solve. So we do really advocate, and I, I think having been through it and having the battle scars myself a number of times leading large-scale transformation is really understanding the problem we're trying to solve first is, is important. Um, when I landed at AGL, I was very grateful to be leading three different teams. So I was leading the customer experience team, the digital strategy and operations team, and also the data and analytics team. So all incredible leaders to drive great customer outcomes. Yeah. I think at the same time, when I came into energy, I realized that customers really were demanding more. Their expectations of digital in general were exceeding what energy companies were were delivering. I think AGL was in was in a, um, a position where they really wanted to drive bold change. And so it was a wonderful, I guess, marriage of, of opportunity there. And so I think what triggered the interest or sparked the interest of the executive um, and, and certainly what we do with other clients is really trying to inspire the imagination of the executive team as to what the potential future could look like in a way that they can understand. Yeah. And so literally designing that future state experience, imagine in the future your customer could do this and showing them the visuals of what that journey could look like. Imagine you could sit in your family room, look down at your app and see your children have been on the PlayStation for three hours and with a, you know, with a flick of a switch, you can shut the energy off to that device. And I think what we did was we, we, we painted a view of what that future experience could look like which did spark the interest and spark the imagination, which allowed, I think, the executive to get alignment and get excitement behind what the future could be versus myriads of pages of business cases about plumbing and wiring and, yeah. and 360 view of customer and this technology solution and integration here and open APIs there. That doesn't really, <laughs> a lot of people find it difficult to relate to those critical elements of change but actually, if you can inspire them about the future experience and they can see it and get excited by it, I think that allows the executive to really get excited and, and, and get that clarity of what the future could look like, therefore mobilise a strong mandate behind that vision. And so you, you focused on kind of the vision, the, the, the potential of this 
technology as opposed to the technology itself. And how did how did you how did you spark that inspiration? What did you what did you do to to engage people who weren't technology people in the potential for this technology? Yes. And look, it's something that I, I work with clients now on a, on a daily basis, which, which is actually using human-centered design methodology. So, so deeply understanding the customer problem you're trying to solve, not by asking them what's their problem, but really spending two hours one-on-one -on -one with a whole myriad of customers and finding out how they live their lives. What are their motivations? What are their concerns? What are their attitudes? Not even relating to energy, but just in life, what are they dealing with? Because if you can glean that challenge and that what that that unmet need is and shape that into a great experience, then you know you've got a compelling proposition. So we almost put aside what today looked like and started to go into very uncharted territory using human-centered design methodologies. And so through those identification of needs, reframing them into, okay, here's a great opportunity space to redesign new experience redesigning them literally yeah. mapping out the customer journey and then looking at key differentiated experiences which would set the organization apart from from others um so and you then went, visualizing so you, those experiences and putting them in part of the executive so you went you went direct to the end user to to the, the customer of the organization um really understanding what they were trying to achieve in the broadest possible sense and then brought that back to the the leaders in the business to say this is what your customers are trying to achieve in their lives and this is the role that that we could play as an organization absolutely i think what that does is it creates a really strong objective mechanism that helps shut down subjective or political views which will naturally occur in any organization differences of opinion I think it's very hard to not listen to the voice of our customer. And sometimes it's great customer data that you have through the contact center interactions or NPS or whatever it might be. But using ethnographic research is a very specific set of skills, but it gives you incredible depth of insight that is very hard to argue with. And then upon that, you anchor your future state experience design. Very good. And if, if, we, if we maybe build on that point a, a little, Mari, just to give you another perspective on it i see a lot of the nice shiny use cases and then on the other end you have the tools and methodologies that people use to um, to to kind of deliver with a big gap in between and i'm going to give you another quote just to give us your perspective on it and said customer-centric digital transformation programs allow energy providers to reorient around their consumer but it's not easy particularly for long established organizations with traditional operating models siloed functions, hierarchical ways of working and legacy technologies. So as beautiful as that vision you were painting for the executives was, how did you deal with some of those challenges that you face in a large legacy organization? That is a great question. I think there's one, there's a really, it's one critical but you know difficult step to take, which I think a lot of organizations don't do. We certainly we certainly did at AGL and, and we advocate with, um, with all types of clients is you want to go as fast as possible, but you want to make sure you've designed just enough. So you do need to be deliberate and purposeful. You can't sort of just sort of go off in all directions. So I think what we've spoken about is getting that vision and strategic alignment of what does the future look like? And we, you know, we see it in pictures. So we all translate it in the same way and there's no misinterpretation of it. But then I think the critical step that we often leave out is how do we design the organization to achieve that endpoint? And I don't mean structurally, 
but how do we architect the business? What are the sets of capabilities that we need in our whole system that slice across all of our functions? So one thing that, that we did do, and, and certainly I do with other clients as well, is create an artifact called a business capability model, which, as I said, it's people, process, data, and technology, but all on one page that shows here's what the future organization's going to need to be able to do in order to reach the vision. Yeah. And what that document does is it really does unify all the different parts of the business, and at its very creation starts to break down the silos because then you map one use case onto that system and you have a solution architect, a UXer, you might have a marketer or someone from sales, you might have an engineer, all looking at that one blueprint and saying, what is the sequence of capabilities that need to fire to bring this to life? And how do we go about building that? So you, it allows you to have a just enough design of how to get to the future, but then you can build it piece by piece in a coordinated and aligned way so that you don't actually have what can often ha sometimes happen is, great, we've got our vision, we know where we're heading, IT go off in one direction to execute it, people and culture go off in another direction, the sales and marketing team go off in another direction, the contact center or the product teams. So that critical step after the vision, which is creating that unifying capability blueprint is often a step that is missed, but it does secure just enough design of the future state that you can then go and build one use case or another, or think about how would we prioritize our executional roadmap? What are the core capabilities that these five use cases are gonna need? Okay, so that's the capability we build first. And it just helps anchor all of the respective teams roadmaps to that blueprint. And, and it takes it takes a, a digital transformation out of the technology sphere alone and, and paints a picture of it in terms of its potential impact across the whole business. Absolutely. And I think that's the challenge of, of digital and, and customer transformation is it is complex. It does touch every part of the organization. Its tentacles reach very wide. And actually the art, I think, and the science is in how do we integrate the different parts of the organization? How do we help them connect and organize around this customer experience? Because it takes the village, it takes all elements of the organization, but we've got to anchor in a purposeful and deliberate way and connect our front, middle and back office around that experience. That's the critical key. But to the point you made earlier, Colm, I think it's very difficult to operate, connect and organize in that different way because it challenges the way work's been done for 100 years. It challenges our hierarchies, challenges our roles. So it's a real cultural challenge. And when you looked at that in like if you take AGL, for example, they're a, an organization that's, I think, 184 years old and um, started their started their life back with gas lamps, an organization like that that's been built not for speed or to move fast, but has been built to deliver reliable service. How did, how did you approach that in, in that client? We did know that it was going to take significant operating model change. And you know we had invested um, time and, and money around the, the transition of how we would operate and organize and really brought a coalition of the willing to the table so that we were winning the hearts and minds of people. How can we actually operate and connect differently and do really great work for the customer? I think the incredible thing about AGL is it's it has such a, a, a delightful legacy and such a strong desire to do right by the customer and do a great job in terms of the experience. It wasn't hard to take people on, on the journey. 
I think what we've found in that experience, but also other other clients as well, is it can be challenging though to shift the mindsets of what will my role be in that future state? Will I still have the same level of responsibility? Will I still be a technical expert? Because we're, we, we tend to look at agile ways of working, it does require different sets of behaviours. It does require different style of leadership. And so there can, even, even at an unconscious level, be a layer of fear around, you know, do I want to be in that new yeah. world or do I want to stay in my comfort zone? And so I think the battle scars I have are, no matter how much money or time or focus is, you know, there's always going to be elements of that that you underestimate. But I think for, for that purpose is having a strong mandate from the executive is absolutely critical. And it's, it's, I think it's particularly challenging in infrastructure organisations because um, the, the, the culture of service and the, the culture of, of delivery is so embedded in the organisation and, and, and such a positive aspect of that organisation that you're, you're asking them to change very fundamental things that have been really positive parts of the culture for so long to try and bring that organization to a new, a, a new place. And, and you know, I, I, I know you didn't use the term culture, but, but culture is really at the heart of digital transformation, isn't it? Absolutely. I think culture is the number one, and we know it's the number one, one reason why digital transformations fail. And we know that, you know, between 90, 97% of them do fail. And I think it comes down to that ability or inability to shift the culture and the new ways of working. You know, you can spend millions of dollars on technology, but if people cannot transition their mindset and be open to connecting with other team members from other disciplines and working in a different way, making decisions in a different way, it really is going to be very challenging to, to permanently change because the competitive advantage nowadays is, is it's, it's speed and scale. And the only way we can work at pace is by operating in, in more fluid teams versus the, the long sort of elongated value chain. So I think that is, that is the challenge. Digital organisations that are born digital never have to overcome that Whereas legacy organisations where there's so much just ingrained in, in the way that we think, act, even without our conscious awareness of it, that needs to be unstitched and relearned is difficult. And some people will be able to make the transition and some will not. And, and the interesting thing is there, there's lots of tools to help you shift the culture of an organisation in whatever direction you want to shift it. But in my experience, it is the thing that people talk about and understand that it's a factor in achieving a transformed and a digitally transformed organization, but quite often just don't put enough attention on it and don't follow that up with action. Would that be, would that be your experience too? Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I think the other thing that that's naturally happen is sometimes culture gets caught between different functions of the organization. So sometimes it can trigger a conversation well who owns culture is that going to be our hr team running that stream or is that going to be our people and culture stream or is that going to come out of the digital team or that come out of customer because you need this marriage between understanding what it is to be digital so understanding at its heart how digital organizations behave how they make decisions how they deliver work into the market but at the same time, you have to appreciate mindsets and psychology and behavior. So it really requires, you know, our, our deep digital experts to come together with our HR and people capital experts to come up with, well, how do we appraise our readiness? How do we how do we know how difficult this task is going to be? And how do we use 
artificial intelligence and psychometrics and different types of behavioural insight to give us the best possible chance to help transition people. It is a tough challenge, but that's where, again, we've got to got to bring together different parts of our organisation because it is complex and, and difficult. So if, if culture is one central plank to a successful digital transformation, the other one is money. Um, and at this time of year, I, I'm, I'm imagining organizations will probably be setting budgets. And I can picture CIOs sitting across from their CFOs and, and she's scratching her head trying to work out how the sheer scale of this investment could possibly be required and how they're going to pay for it. Can you maybe talk us through your experience of securing the necessary funding for a successful digital transformation? Sure. We worked on a number of different parts in terms of the strategy. So first was, I've already mentioned, we created a future vision and the customer journeys that demonstrated that future vision. We then created that customer blueprint or the blueprint of capabilities and then the core use cases. And then from that capability blueprint, we were able to identify what are the core capabilities we had today versus what we needed and went through creating that economic model and, and business case to really understand what it was going to to cost. So we did sort of a full bottom up that we obviously explained to the market. And AGL was in a you know a very bold position and really wanted to take a strong stance in, in the market. And so it really was about understanding where we wanted to be and translating the, the financial value of what that future state would mean to the organization if we had that capability and we were operating in that future vision, but also what the benefit would be to the customer. So the experience it would create, the stickiness it would create with the customer, the longevity you would get from that experience, you know, the reduction in the cost to acquire, the reduction in the cost to, to maintain that customer, shifting great interactions from contact center interactions to really informed digital chat or, or, or fully online experiences or app experiences. So we were able to really identify what the elements of the economic model and business case would look like and then present that and show the uplift from the investment. So and then of course, be really clear on that so that we could track that over time and, and realize those benefits. So you you came to the, the kind of the investment stage with a really clear view on, on what needed to be done, but also the KPIs in the business. That, and they would be KPIs that a CFO would be familiar with. So cost of acquisition or customer lifetime value, or, uh, and, you, and you were able to map your interventions from a digital perspective to those business outcomes. Absolutely. And that was really important in order to prioritize the work and sequence the work and then monitor progress against it. So it didn't, you know, it didn't stray from the plan. I find there's two um, barriers to be overcome. Barrier one is what you've described there, which is the, you know, linking it to business value. And, and I guess what you're saying is, the approach you've taken really clearly links the project or the program to uh, metrics that the business understands and then those metrics deliver value to the business and and then you can measure your achievement against those the other the other challenge i find people have is just getting over the sheer scale of cost associated with digital transformation you you assume that you've got an, an amount of money that you're spending on legacy systems today and you're assuming that the digital transformation will be a a layer on top of that as opposed to you know a 
a once in a generation transformation that's probably going to run for somewhere between five and 10 years and is going to cost a lot of money. How, how, how did you approach that? Yeah, look, I think that's, I think the one thing I would say just, just while it's on my mind is I think people feel by terming it transformation, I know it's the, it's the colloquial term that we use is it does feel like it's something that starts and then stops. It's a project will transform and then we'll, you know, then it'll be over. But actually what you are doing is transforming to a new normal and you're building, you're building a new way of working a new way of operating and you're giving yourself the, the data and the technology and the processes in order to, to be able to work in that that new way. I think then what you do need to straddle then is how do you shift that initial large investment into BAU budgets and thinking about how do we allow for ongoing OPEX and, and you know, once we've put some some injection of, of capital potentially in, how do we transition that into an operating environment? And so that was all part of our, you know, we ended up doing a, a, a sort of a 10 year um, economic model to look at that transition and make sure that we were comfortable, not just with the next three years, but we understood how things were going to flow over, over an extended period. But you looked at that planning horizon, which was a 10 year planning horizon, not a, not a two or three year planning horizon, which is often what we look at these, these um, projects through. And how, how did you secure buy-in for that view on a technology investment? Look, I think, I think it was the, the fact that we actually had the program co-sponsored across technology and the business and across, across the executive. So there was really strong alignment that something needed to be done. Yeah. And the rigor of the strategy process, which took a number of months to really provide a clear view and enough detail such the executive felt that it was a, it was a good bet to make. And of course, that we would experience the uplift uh, from that. But I think, you know, my experience, having done this a number of times, and certainly my experience with clients is, you've got to continually tell that story because transforming, is difficult and it's and it's 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 hard and it's, it does take a while so i spend a lot of my time continuing to sell sell that into the organization and 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 you know remembering why we're doing this and this is what we're trying to create for the customer and constantly putting that in front of people to keep that energy and that state of mind alive and, and the need for it and of course we had a regular cadence with the board so we were seeing the board initially every few months to give the board comfort and then the sessions got to you know, gradually further apart as the comfort levels increase. But I think initially that's a great thing to do is to keep the board engaged frequently early while you're, you know, getting permission to continue to invest and show that the investment is doing what you need it to do and what you promised it would do. So you you were a constant advocate for the for the program through through its lifetime. And a relentless advocate, yes. A relentless advocate. And so I guess in conclusion, Mari, for somebody who's been through the digital transformation journey many times both you personally in the business and working as an advisor to businesses what would your advice be to cios and technology leaders out there who are in the middle of or embarking on digital transformation in a large organization i might over exaggerate to make a point but i think the first thing is is if if digital transformation is your objective then you've probably got the wrong objective it's not about digital it's what is the objective we want? So what is the endpoint? For me, that is to be customer centric. I think that's really important to create value to, to your end user. 
So digital transformation is actually your strategy, not your objective. So it's it's the way to achieve the outcome that you're looking for. And I think getting that right is really important. I think the next thing is just making sure you invest in creating a really clear vision of what that future experience will be for your customer or your employee or your field force worker or whoever is that end user you're transforming for. And, and then I think understanding the value of that future state through a business case and through modeling is is important and then certainly not under investing in culture and ways of working and that recognizing the way that you drive the cultural change and behavior is going to be as important if not more important than the technology choices you make brilliant mari thank you so much for being with us here today and um, you've given us lots of great insights lots of things to think about and some practical and um, thoughts based on your experience and so um, thank you for joining us on kpmg's delivering digital podcast where we focus on your issues and giving you practical independent advice <laughs>